I love that. It's time, folks, and no better time than the present than now. So join us now on our 702 Communications line is Moorhead Mayor Jonathan Judd. Mayor Judd, welcome to Point of View. It's great to have you with us, sir. Thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts from your heart yesterday. And one of the things that, that you also said is, you know, let's listen with humility. So for the people that didn't get a chance to see what you had to say, I just want to give you the floor and anything else you want to add to what you said yesterday for our audience? Well, I don't know. You know, I think uh, a lot of that came from the heart. <clears throat> and I think that is probably a good place just to open the dialogue. You know, I think uh, we're not going to obviously have all the uh, questions and come up with the initiatives in this short conversation. But my hope is that my comments yesterday inspired others to think and process uh, some dialogue which we need to have. So then let's talk about your maybe your personal experience. I've got a friend of mine um, in this community. He's had some run-ins with the law that maybe haven't gone as planned, if you will. I've had other black American friends of mine that say, Chris, people don't understand. And these are their words, not mine, but the, the, the racism in this area. Share a little bit about your experience. And you talked about institutional racism impacting uh, facets of our community. What did you mean by that specifically? And did you have personal experience with it? Well, you know, the concept of this, of institutional racism is, is so broad. And honestly, we would probably need a week, if not longer, <laughs> to have that conversation. I threw that term out there to get people talking, you know, to ask about, you know, I mean, I'm hoping people at least went to Google if they didn't or hadn't heard of the term and at least got a foundational component of what institutional racism is because we talk about it in higher ed and we talk about it, but it's one of those things where even a 10,000 foot approach on that is gonna, you're gonna have to invite me back <laughs> as far as that goes. But what I will tell you as far as my experiences and you know, you got to remember too. I grew up in North Carolina, so a lot of these these concepts regarding race, you know, I grew up with in North Carolina, and it looks different though it's the same in Fargo Moorhead. Now, my experiences in North Carolina, in looking at the fact that we didn't have a lot of individuals in the institutions, if we're talking about education, teachers, uh, administrators, principals. Those folks weren't around in my schools, and if they were, there weren't very many. Uh, law enforcement officers. We didn't have a lot of law enforcement officers uh, in, our, in our area. However, our first black sheriff, uh, John Baker, was elected at some point, I was too young to remember, but he was our, our, our first African-American sheriff, and he served in that capacity, I think, well over 20 years. So but outside of uh, Sheriff Baker, my uncle, rest in peace, Johnny Graves, he was a detective uh, for the uh, Wake County Sheriff's Department for well over two decades. And I uh, We just didn't have a lot of folks around in these institutions that looked like us. And I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Mayor, but what I'm hearing you say is, hey, Chris, if, if we, 
had the chance as black American men or young people to see more black Americans in positions, and we'll stick to law enforcement right now, you think that might um, mitigate some of the situations taking place across the country, or am I hearing you correctly or no? Well, you know, Chris, that's a part of it. I mean, you know, again, this is a much deeper dialogue and conversation that our community has to have. But, but yes, I think having having individuals and not just not just I, I mean, I know we're talking about African Americans, but when we're looking at equity and inclusion, we have to see more of everyone. I mean, we have to see folks that resemble the communities in which we live in in these positions because there there is a way that you can build more trust and credibility within those institutions as they serve protect our community i think that's a good start so here's the challenge because as you have seen what's been going across over the the weekend um my question for you is how do you then recruit more black americans into positions of law enforcement when you see you know what you see about law enforcement across the country between i, I can't even use the language here at 6 30 but i think you understand what i'm trying to say so how, how do you go about doing that so that you've got more black american going yeah i want to join law enforcement well again i don't necessarily have all the answers because again you know in my situation as a one person of color I can't speak for the whole population, obviously. Uh, but what I can tell you is that I can just share with you <clears throat> a simple story. Uh, with all the negativity that's going on in our country, when you walk into, and I'll use an example on a local level, you don't know what it means to had to have somebody in court, especially if we have a, dis a disparity, obviously, of, of individuals of, of African-American descent that are incarcerated in the state of Minnesota, is a good example. So if a person of color gets, uh, gets in trouble, unfortunately, in greater Minnesota, to my knowledge, I believe I'm the only African-American attorney outside of the 494-694 corridor uh, that worked in the public defender system that represented clients. When they walk in, you can just see the sigh of relief. I didn't realize they had a brother <laughs> that was an attorney in the area. It just, to a person who has the thought that they're an outsider, to have someone that's visible presence that looks like them just gives a sense of comfort that things are going to be a lot more fair. It's, it, it, it's a psychological thing, obviously, and it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily assume that the system's going to be unfair, but it just gives the appearance that if they were able, they meaning those that are in power, were right. able to have someone up here of diverse background doing the work, it just gives a little bit more comfort to the system that it's going to be fair and just. Mayor Judd, two things, and I apologize for this. We'll have you back, but just for TV time's sake, two things kind of quickly. One, is that why you think Governor Walsh turned the prosecution over to A.G. Ellison because of what you just suggested? And two, 
if, if he were to charge the other three officers, would that stop the protesting? I'll have to get back to your second part. You may have to say that again, but the first part is I've been so busy uh, with work. Okay. I just read, <laughs> I just literally am trying to like process over the weekend. <laughs> I was just made aware, like not even 10 minutes ago, that um, uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison even had the case. So I can, I'm going to presume that Governor Walls is a I mean, even though people may have a difference of, of opinion with him, he did it because that's Attorney General Ellison's job, yes. not because he's black. I mean, and that's tokenizing, and I think that's that wouldn't be in anybody's wheelhouse. And then the second part of your question? Well, unfortunately, because of time, so we've got to wrap it up there. Oh, and, okay. so, um, and so just for clarity, though, you're saying that it's tokenizing it, but yet I'm also hearing you say, hey, Chris, when they walk in and they see a black attorney, that it seems like it's going to be more fair. And I guess... My brain's not crossing those wires, and yeah, you got to have more time because I didn't right. say it was tokenizing. I, I I said what I said was I don't. You you were insinuating that the reason why Governor Walls gave it to Attorney General Ellison is because of the fact that he was black. That seemed to me that's what you were insinuating. I I'm, I'm insinuating that based on you saying to me that hey, Chris, I have people walk into me now that I'm black, they think it's going to be more fair, and so I'm going hey. Was that a fair assessment of why that may have happened? But I'm hearing you say that that's not it at all. So, Mayor Judd, I'll call you after the show. If you can email Anna your phone number, because I do want to have this conversation. We just can't do it here because of time. Okay, sir? No, that's fine. But I think you should continue to have this conversation, uh, Chris, because yeah. uh, I think a 10-minute snippet doesn't do it justice. I, so You know what? We will have unlimited time on a Zoom. Would that, be, would that work for you? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, sir. I apologize. It's just the TV thing. we got to wrap it there. We'll do a Zoom with him and we'll let you know when. So again, Mayor Judd out of Moorhead, thanks for his time and his insight. If you haven't seen what he said Sunday at the press conference, go check it out. Fantastic conversation there. All right, stay with us. We're going to be wrapping things up right after this.